Welcome to Doctor Who 50 and 50, episode 36. Today we're discussing story 48, Seeds of Death. This ran from January 25th to March 1st, 1969, which puts it late in season 6. The Doctor at the time was Patrick Troughton, and the companions were Jamie McCrimmon and Zoe Harriet. The villains in this one are the Ice Warriors. The basic plot is that the Ice Warriors have come to Earth with invasion plans. This is a future Earth where they've become dependent on a TMAT teleportation system. And without TMAT, they've got no transportation, they've got social outrage, they've got food shortages. It's basically become the de facto form of transportation, and a lot of that is controlled through a hub on the moon. The Ice Warriors take control of that hub. So the humans don't even know that it's the Ice Warriors involved, at least not the humans on Earth. The ones on the moon do know, and they're being given the choice to either cooperate or die. The humans on Earth decide the only way to get out there is to build an old-school rocket. There's only one person left who could put one together for them. He turns out to be the curator of a rocketry museum, where the Doctor, Zoe, and Jamie materialize. They end up being the group that go to the moon, and they end up coming back and forth and so forth, dealing with this Ice Warrior invasion. The Ice Warrior invasion is a two-stage plan. The first stage is to send seed pods to Earth, and these seed pods tend to swell and burst and release a fungus that rapidly depletes the atmosphere of its oxygen. So people who are exposed to it die of oxygen deprivation in a matter of seconds instead of three or four minutes. The second stage involves an invasion fleet that's coming in following a homing beacon. And of course, the doctor and some scientists find a way to disable the seed pods that have been teleported all around Earth to limit the spread of the fungus and eliminate that threat. And they come up with a way to produce a decoy homing beacon for the incoming ice warriors that throws them off course. So it was a fairly enjoyable episode. We've included it in this series of podcasts because it does showcase some of the popular companions and uh, the popular villains. There's a lot of nice things to it from a science fiction perspective. It's nice to see aliens that struggle with the atmosphere. These ice warriors are constantly hissing and they've got very labored breathing in Earth's atmosphere. They also can't stand heat, so it's very clear that these aliens who developed on Mars in their history, at least within the history of the show, are realistic in the sense that they need to terraform Earth before they can survive comfortably on Earth, and they are struggling in Earth-like atmospheres. It's not quite at the point where they've got rebreathers and other things that would make it difficult to understand what the actors are saying, but it's there. It also gives us a very good showcase for the companions. As I said, these two companions, who we've discussed earlier, are some of the more popular ones in the series, and this gives a, a very good showcase of Zoe's intelligence and her ability to plan and her total recall, her knowledge of astrophysics, basically rooted from Earth's future, comes into play. So she's in there working the science and the brain side. Now, Jamie's history, he's pulled from Earth's past, at least at the time that the episode was filmed. So he doesn't have the technology, and that comes out clear. He's trying, his heart's always in the right place, but he doesn't always know which switch to throw or what things do. He's just out of his depth. But one thing he does always have is his heart and his courage. You know, people's lives are at risk. He is not even thinking. He'll be the first one out there to distract that ice warrior and act as a decoy to drive him away from the others so that they can leave safely. Now, some of the downsides to this is that the 1969 special effects technology on the budget provided really show through. The Ice Warrior weapons are little more than flashlights, and there's a bit of a visual effect which is almost spoiled in the course of the episode. I think it's a little bit happenstance. Near the end of the story, there's a scene where the Doctor, Zoe, and Jamie are trapped in a room behind a metal door, and you can see the Ice Warrior pushing on the door from the other side trying to break through, which 
causes a, some distortions in the reflection. And it looks like every time the Ice Warriors have attacked in the course of the series, it's that same distortion and that same reflection that they're doing. So it appears as though they're just hauling that metal around, filming people in front of it, and filming the reflections, and then just poking that metal sheet from behind to produce that visual distortion. It's fairly effective considering the budget. As we said before, and we'll say again, the budget in this series is pretty low, but I think it's actually lower than you'd even guess based on looking at it. These guys did know how to stretch every pen and every pound and every shilling that they were given. They weren't given enough, but they made very good use of them. And that's true throughout the run of the show. That's probably the major downside. We get some very good development. We even get some pretty realistic human responses where people are going, no, no, let's save ourselves and just go along until they realize the magnitude of what's going on. And then they sort of try to step up and be the hero. So we get some nice character work and some development there, but done in a very realistic way. And we also see some more fodder for the naysayers. Again, I've seen people who bash the new series because of things that they say are different and were better in the old series. One of the things I've seen them bash is the drive of the sex appeal, or what they perceive to be an increase of the sex appeal in the new series. One of the things that they've complained about was the short length of Karen Gillan's skirts from seasons 5 through 7. When this episode opens, or when this story opens in episode 1, Wendy Padbury's skirt is just as short as anything that Karen Gillan ever wore. Wendy Padbury, of course, playing Zoe. So all in all, it is a fairly enjoyable episode. We get a nice showcase for the Ice Warriors themselves, even if the visual effects and makeup technology to make the Ice Warriors really convincing doesn't really exist at this point. They've got some nice makeup work on the chin of the leader, who is a lot slimmer than the other warriors, and the others have rubberized mouths, which don't necessarily work the way they're supposed to. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Again, it looks like they were stretching the dollars as far as possible and putting them in elaborate helmets and elaborate clothing and armor specifically to hide as much of the skin as possible so they don't need to use as much of the makeup as possible. But if you you can overlook that and sit back and just focus on the story and the way it's being played by the actors involved, you're in for a pretty enjoyable ride. This was a six-parter in the half-hour format, so it'll take about two and a half hours to watch in total. It is available on DVD, and it's worth checking out especially as far as stories from the Patrick Troughton era are concerned. And that's pretty much all we have to say about The Seeds of Death. Please join us again tomorrow for War Games. Thank you for listening.